The following episode of Lyrics of Their Life podcast deals with serious issues such as drug references, sexual references and violence that may be distressing to some listeners. It is not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Lyrics of Their Life, the podcast that talks about the extraordinary lives lived by those that wrote or performed the songs we know and love. I'm your host Adam Hampton and in today's episode we'll be exploring the life and music so far of Billie Eilish. At just the age of 21, Billie Eilish is already dominating the charts and swooping up multiple awards with her soothing vocals and her at times controversial and dark music, as she looks set to be remembered as one of the biggest names of the music industry in recent memory. From her childhood through to the current day, we'll explore all of the major events that have occurred over Billy's life so far, as we delve into the story behind the songs such as Ocean Eyes, Bad Guy, Your Power, and many more. In this first part of the episode, we take a deep dive into Billy's upbringing, how she first got her big break, and we take a look at her debut EP titled Don't Smile At Me. This is part one of the story of Billy Eilish. This is Lyrics of Their Life. <laughs> Billie Eilish was born Billie Eilish Pirate Baird O'Connell on the 18th of December 2001 in Los Angeles, California in the USA. Billie's full name has a complex story behind it as Eilish was originally going to be Billie's only first name as the name Eilish is Gaelic for Elizabeth. But instead, Eilish became her second name. Billy's family were quite laid-back hippie types and didn't take life too seriously. So before Billy was born, they allowed Billy's four-year-old brother, Phineas, to pick a name for Billy, which turned out to be Pirate. Their mother's maiden name was Baird, therefore Pirate Baird, which sounded like Pirate Beard. Pirate almost became Billy's first name until her uncle persuaded her parents not to as it was just too ridiculous, with it becoming her middle name instead. While finally, Billy's surname of O'Connell is derived from her father's surname. It was revealed in 2019 on the Howard Stern radio show that Billy was conceived through IVF after four rounds of fertility treatment with this news being a shock to Billy on the show, after she previously had no idea, with Billy's mother and father claiming that the first three rounds of the fertility treatment were unsuccessful. Billy was raised alongside her brother, Phineas Baird O'Connell, and by her creative actor and amateur musician parents in the Highland Park neighbourhood of LA. 
Billy's parents had met in the early 90s while the two were working on a film project in Alaska. And by August 1995, the two aged in their mid to late 30s tied the knot. Two years later, when her father Patrick was 40 and her mother Maggie was 37, they had their first child, Phineas, on the 30th of July, 1997. And when Billy was born, Patrick was now 44 and Maggie was 40. Billy's mother Maggie is of English, Irish and Canadian descent, while her father Patrick is of Scottish, Swiss and German heritage. Billy's mother Maggie was raised in a small town near Colorado. Since age two, Maggie's parents remembered her wanting to be a star on TV and she was taught as a teenager how to play piano and guitar and she even performed in plays during her high school years. She went on to study dance, acting and theatre at university only to quit to perform on Broadway and in regional theatres in New York City. This experience on Broadway and in the theatres led her to make her on-screen debut in the early 80s, as well as singing at her friend's wedding at the age of 19. Maggie appeared in TV shows such as Jag, The X-Files, Friends and Charmed in one-off character roles. She worked as an extra or in minor roles in films, She acted in 13 episodes of the soap drama As the World Turns as Dr. Taylor Baldwin and she performed voice acting on video games such as Saints Row and Mass Effect. Maggie also worked alongside Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig on the Groundlings comedy sketch show and was even the improv teacher for Melissa McCarthy. Billy's father Patrick was also an actor who was raised in Connecticut and appeared in TV shows like Supergirl, Baskets and West Wing, and in films such as Iron Man. However, his biggest role was in the soap drama series Guiding Light, acting as Neil Everest, where he appeared in over 30 episodes from 1989 to 1991. Both parents dreamed of making it bigger in the acting world, but their careers didn't seem to take off in the way that they had hoped, with Maggie even claiming she would act in films and TV shows, only to later find out her part had been cut out. While the neighbourhood of Highland Park, where the family resided, is now regarded as upper class, Billy remembers hearing gunfire and sirens a lot when she was a child, while she also claims that they were quite poor due to being raised in a small two-bedroom house with their parents having financial troubles at times. Despite Billy's claims, however, herself and Phineas definitely had more than many kids growing up and at the end of the day, their parents kept a roof over their heads and food on the table with Billy claiming that extra activities such as buying her favourite band's merchandise or going to their gigs just couldn't happen with the budget constraints, which Maggie somewhat confirmed, stating that they only ever had enough and that they had no savings. With Maggie and Patrick usually being background characters in films and TV and acting roles coming and going, they were forced to find other ways to support their family and fit this in with their lifestyle. 
Maggie would become a teacher and homeschooled the kids, and Patrick became a construction worker for Mattel, at times working 12 hours a day, 7 days a week. They weren't exactly rolling in it, but they earned enough through their sporadic acting roles and Patrick's job to be comfortable enough, and despite living in a small house, they did happen to own their own home. Maggie would often have to defend claims that they were poor, as Billy often dramatised the situation. Maggie claimed that they did happen to struggle from time to time to pay their bills, as living in LA wasn't cheap while Billy herself claimed that summer in LA was tough because they didn't have an air conditioner. While Billy's father Patrick was quoted as saying, we didn't go on vacations, we didn't own another house, we didn't have a boat. Before Maggie said, we had a shitty old car, which we still have. But what they did lack in terms of financial security Billy's parents made up for with showing their kids how much they loved and adored them. Billy and Phineas both grew up in a supportive and safe environment at home, surrounded by art and music, which was always being played in the background, along with plenty of instruments laying about the place to be played whenever they wanted. As the tiny two-bedroom house even included three large pianos and multiple guitars. Billy and Phineas shared a special sibling bond after playing and laughing together and looking out for one another, despite being four years apart in age. With Phineas claiming he even once saved his sister from choking on one of his toy marbles that Billy had curiously picked up and placed in her mouth as a toddler. As Phineas claims, he reached his hand down Billy's throat and retrieved the marble. Billy says in her eyes, Phineas was the quote, golden child, and that he could do no wrong. She claims it was her turn to be the centre of attention as an artist when her career took off, as she claims Phineas got all the attention up until about the age of 13, as he was always in plays or TV shows or doing something spectacular that their parents were encouraging of. Billy and Phineas were raised to respect animals from all walks of life and were also raised as vegetarians after their mother Maggie had lost her own mother in the 80s due to a heart attack at the age of 57, sparking her to eat healthier herself and look after her body, putting her mother's heart attack down to too much meat in her diet, with Maggie passing this belief onto her children. Maggie and her two brothers were also vegetarians, and this was despite Maggie's father being a fisherman and a hunter, who later passed away at the age of 74 from pulmonary fibrosis. Maggie claims that she didn't force the vegetarian lifestyle onto her kids or husband, but that they slowly came around to the idea, specifically Phineas and Billy, who made the switch when they became teenagers. According to Maggie, Billy was also said to have wanted a baby sister, often nagging her parents to have another baby. However, due to her parents' struggle with conceiving, this wasn't to be, as the family of four settled with what they had. Phineas and Billy were both taught early on the basics of writing songs and jotting down your feelings on paper. Billy claims that the first song that she ever wrote was when she was four years old, 
and that it was quite dark, as it was about falling into a black hole. Despite the dark tone of the song, she claims she made it quite upbeat. According to Billy and Phineas, there was even a family rule that you didn't have to go to bed if you were writing songs or playing instruments, as creativity and songwriting was so heavily encouraged, with Maggie herself backing this claim up. Maggie also stated that in order to enrol Phineas into singing lessons, she organised a deal with his singing teacher that she would cook her dinners, as she couldn't afford to keep paying for lessons. Both Phineas and Billy were homeschooled by their parents, so getting up early for school wasn't such an issue if they had been up late writing songs. Billy's mother Maggie stated that, quote, Homeschooling allows us to let them do the things that they really love to do and not have a giant academic schedule on top of it. According to Maggie and Patrick, they found the regular parenting style of forcing your kids off to school to be taught and looked after by others to be ridiculous and they enjoyed having their kids around and being responsible for teaching the kids what they thought they really needed to learn instead of what others, or the curriculum or government, wanted them to learn instead. When asked by Stingray Music whether she felt like there were any negatives to homeschooling, Billy had nothing but praise for homeschooling, and claimed that other than one brief period where she wanted to go to public school to socialise and experience what it was like, She says she didn't have those feelings ever again, as homeschooling was so much fun. Billy and Phineas would be taught subjects like math through cooking, as they would learn how much of each ingredient to use, while they were also taught hands-on lessons like building things out of wood from their dad, while life skills would also be taught such as how to clean and pay a tip. Maggie claims that she even took Phineas on excursions all the time to the Grammy Museum for songwriting classes as it was just up the road from them. The pair of them also took sports and dance classes with the siblings even socialising with other kids through playing Ultimate Frisbee. Their focus on subjects like English and maths were only brief, so extracurricular activities like music and art took the forefront and was the main focus of their curriculum. They even took classes like geography through other homeschooling teachers' classes who taught in a way that was more engaging and fun rather than a way that the school would usually do it. Maggie herself would also teach other kids in homeschooling classes. Maggie also claimed in an interview with Rick Roll that the Columbine Massacre school shooting and a Hanson documentary that Patrick had watched informed their decision to homeschool the kids, as the brothers from Hanson, known for their hit song, Mbop, had been homeschooled and turned out to be great kids, while the school shooting scared Maggie so much that she thought it might happen again, as she was quoted as saying, It rocked my world. I was shaken by Columbine. Maggie also claimed that Phineas had sensory issues to certain things and Billy had auditory processing problems which made it hard for her to learn, which in Maggie's opinion, she thought that school wouldn't make a great fit for them or wouldn't recognise their needs. 
Maggie and Patrick's more laid-back parenting style was much different to most average families as they worked around a system or shared philosophy that involved no consequences for messing up. The kids would never be grounded, sent to their room or physically disciplined and there would be no rewards for doing well or for good behaviour. While according to Billy and Phineas, their parents wouldn't say they were proud of their kids when they were growing up. All of these methods in their parents' view all worked wonders for the kids and allowed them to blossom creatively. Both children did however have to help around the house with chores and clean up after themselves. One of the strangest parenting methods Billy's parents had however was the fact that both Phineas and Billy would quite regularly sleep in their parents' bed until they both reached about the age of 10 or 11, meaning at one point the four of them were squeezed into the one bed, which perhaps is the reason why the family is so tightly bonded to this day. In regards to the four of them sleeping in the same bed, this was mainly due to the fact that the house was so small and that both Billy and Phineas suffered from crippling anxiety, nightmares and separation anxiety and attachment issues. Billy herself never wanted to leave her parents' side, which perhaps was partly due to the close bond that was encouraged from such a young age and the fact that Billy was being homeschooled instead of socialising with others. With Billy telling the Sunday Times, quote, I had crippling life-changing separation anxiety. I couldn't be away from my parents. I was worried about what would happen to them. I was worried about what would happen to me. I was worried about being forgotten. I couldn't sleep by myself. If I woke up and my parents weren't in the bed and the lights were off, I would scream until they came to the door. And I couldn't step off the bed in the dark because I was certain that there were scorpions crawling all over the floor. Eventually, both Phineas and Billy were able to have their very own bedrooms as they grew older so they could have their own space and be creative with Billy's parents making a very generous choice to sleep on the futon permanently in the lounge room, as the two-bedroom house was very cramped with so many instruments scattered in, quote, every nook and cranny. Billy's parents were even so relaxed that Billy and Phineas were allowed to draw or write on their bedroom walls to promote their creative and artistic side, and if anyone were to come over for a visit, they were just told to cover the wall with a blanket. Maggie also claimed that both Phineas and Billy were high-needs kids, meaning they had specific quirks and traits that made it difficult at first to cope with them, as they both had so much energy and were always on the go. This led Maggie and Patrick to take up parenting classes at the Echo Centre, which was once the Centre for Nonviolent Education and Parenting to learn how to cope better with their unique and energetic personalities, which Maggie says helped a lot and had a massive impact on their parenting styles. Other than Billy's obvious ability musically and artistically, Billy was a generally normal kid who enjoyed drawing, journaling, playing video games and watching movies like Harry Potter with her brother Phineas. Her favourite TV shows included The Walking Dead, The Office, and even the Australian kids' TV shows The Saddle Club and H2O Just Add Water. 
while she remembers sitting in front of the TV with Phineas and her mum and dad watching American Idol, hoping that one day she could be a star too. Billy also loved playing in the backyard with her brother Phineas, as he was often getting about wearing his cowboy boots. While they also played with Lego together, and would hang out in the treehouse that their dad had built for them. Billy also loved to collect toys such as horse figurines and miniature toy babies, which she even says she developed a strange chewing habit where she would attempt to chew on these toy babies all the time. Her mother Maggie would describe Billy as funny, strong-willed, creative, determined and independent, as Billy would always be determined to do things her way. For example, she never wanted help to put her seatbelt on and she was determined to do it for herself. While Billy grew up with her tight-knit family and had her uncles around, she sadly didn't have her grandparents around as they had all passed away, with her grandfather on her mother's side actually passing away around the time of Billy's birth. At just the age of six, Billy's father Patrick would teach her how to play piano and the ukulele, with the first song she ever learnt to play on ukulele being the Beatles song, I Will. This led Billy to start writing her own songs using the ukulele. At the age of seven, she wrote a song called What a Wonderful Life for Us, about chilling in the backyard with her friend, surrounded by nature, as Billy was said to have always been singing something wherever they went ever since she was a toddler. At the age of eight, Billy would sing for an audience for the first time in a homeschool talent show with her father on piano and backing vocals. As they performed the Beatles classic, Happiness is a Warm Gun. Billy also began performing in school plays and musicals as well as the school choir and the local LA Children's Chorus Choir alongside her brother Phineas as it would be here where she learned a range of vocal techniques that would come in handy in the future. Billy was still a member of the choir even after making it as an artist, as she was still of school age after having never really left the choir, and in an interview with Interview Magazine, she said, quote, I'm still in it, my brother is not, because he graduated. It's taught me all of my technique. Everything that I use, I pretty much have learned from choir. We do music theory, so you go up a level each year. That's like the only homework I do, because I'm homeschooled. Which is learning music, learning how to read and write music, and play it on piano, and knowing each note, and how long the notes are. That's helped a ton with just learning how to play songs. I can kind of figure it out on my own. Choir has taught me the way to protect your voice and not fuck it up because you're just screaming. Some artists just ruin their voices because they don't know any better. When Billy was around the age of nine, her mother Maggie put out her own solo album titled We Sail, which would further inspire her children to head down the musical path. Billy's brother Phineas, who was now 12 years old, especially became interested in music production and songwriting at this point in time, and started having serious music lessons taught to him by his mother. While living in LA, Phineas would also follow in his parents' footsteps and start as a student named Spencer 
in the film Bad Teacher, alongside Cameron Diaz, Jason Segal, and Justin Timberlake. This led Phineas to take up more small roles in shows like Modern Family and Glee. While Billy was nine years old, she also starred in a run of five shows, starring in a Shakespeare play, as she started to grow in confidence, as she says she would often film herself around this time as if she was an actor. She would create hilarious vines, aka short videos or sketches, or she would recreate music videos of her favourite artists, with herself singing to the songs. At the age of 11, Billy would also be diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome, which she would occasionally display through physical involuntary tics, such as facial twitches, eye rolls, blinking, and neck jerking movements, often making it difficult to suppress in front of others, and at times becoming frustratingly unbearable and painful, as it would leave Billy feeling either embarrassed or misunderstood. Billy would never develop verbal tics, where one would simply use cuss words frequently, but her physical tics would often be triggered by feelings of excitement, nerves, feeling sad, tired, and even through triggers such as bright lights, while Billy claimed that she even tics in her sleep. To this very day, Billy continues to struggle with physical tics or Tourette's on a more mild level, while she claims she has learnt to suppress them, especially because she is in the public eye all the time. However, this isn't always possible to do, and Billy has occasionally been seen to present these tics during interviews and during live shows. Billy would reveal this to her fans much later in her career, as they had been posting videos of Billy pulling unusual faces, not knowing that she actually had tics, so Billy wanted to clarify for them that it was a real thing and to hopefully help spread awareness. Billy would also later be diagnosed with synesthesia, which is a condition where the individual's perception is different to others, which is due to the stimulation of one sensory or cognitive pathway leading to involuntary experiences in a second sensory or cognitive pathway. For example, if a class of children, both with synesthesia and without, were handed a worksheet with randomised coloured numbers on them, someone with synesthesia may get confused as they already identify or associate certain numbers or shapes to specific colours. For example, two might always be blue or nine is often red. However, in other instances, such as Kanye West, who also has synesthesia, they may be able to see sounds in a more visual sense, not just auditorily, which Billy also claims to see sounds. At the age of 11, Billy would also take her mother's songwriting class and was assigned to write her first serious song. Billy would be inspired to write her song about the TV show The Walking Dead, about the zombie apocalypse and the relationships formed along the way. As Billy loved horror movies and TV shows and wanted to incorporate the horror themes into her music. During the Walking Dead song that she titled Fingers Crossed, Billy cleverly took lines from the script of the show as well as episode title names and added them to the song, displaying her songwriting potential very early on. 
as she would upload it to SoundCloud and got quite a positive response, along with another track she had titled, She's Broken. In regards to Fingers Crossed, she told Interview Magazine, quote, The assignment was to watch a movie or a show and write down certain lines that you thought were good hooks, good titles or good names. And I watched The Walking Dead because that was my favourite show at the time and I got tons of stuff. I wrote this song about the apocalypse in my mind and it came out as a love song, a longing despair which wasn't my intention, but it happened. People really like it and it was weird. Like her brother Phineas had done, Billy also went on to audition for some TV shows and films, but never really enjoyed it nearly as much as music, and was often knocked back for roles. So she settled for creating what's known as background dialogue, or vocals, during crowd scenes for films such as X-Men and Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Billy's mother Maggie then released a film called Life Inside Out, that she had co-produced, wrote, and starred in alongside her son Phineas, where they play the roles of a mother and son and their bond through music. The low-budget film was actually filmed partly inside their family home and also starred their father Patrick. Despite its limited budget, the film received positive reviews and a number of film festival awards. Growing up, Billy was inspired by a wide variety of music and was always listening to something as she went through many phases, ranging from jazz to R&B and artists and bands such as The Beatles, Lana Del Rey, Peggy Lee, Frank Sinatra, Ariana Grande, Little Wayne, Young Thug, Childish Gambino, Earl Sweatshirt, Waka Flucka, Arctic Monkeys, Drake, My Chemical Romance, Linkin Park, The Killers, Green Day, The Red Hot Chili Peppers, Justin Bieber, and Tyler the Creator. Billy would state that Lana Del Rey especially inspired her to become her own performer, along with the artist Aurora, with her song Runaway. If you listen to both these artists, you can clearly hear the influence that they had on Billy. Billy also stated that a band called Marina and the Diamonds, as well as the Beatles in particular, are greatly responsible for inspiring her writing style. While she says Rihanna, ASAP Rocky, Kanye West and Bloody Osiris's fashion inspired her own, as she would form her own unique and iconic look when her career took off. In regards to her musical tastes, she told Interview Magazine, quote, My dad used to make us mixtapes of all the stuff that he liked, which was Avril Lavigne, Linkin Park, Green Day, and a ton of the Beatles. The Beatles was a huge thing growing up. Then I was into the plain white tees for a while, and 21 Pilots for a little. And then I realised that there was this thing called rap and hip-hop. I started listening to that, and that's where I am now. Pretty much all hip-hop mixed with old stuff, and really mellow stuff. Billy would be inspired at the age of 12 to chase her dream as a performer when she reluctantly attended a musical adaptation of Matilda on Broadway in New York with her godmother. At first, Billy thought she was going to hate it as she wasn't particularly a fan of watching musicals and they were seated way up high in the nosebleed section 
as Billy sat in a miserable state, chucking somewhat of a tantrum. But despite her reservations, Billy ended up loving the show and adored the admiration of the crowd for the performer playing the role as Matilda when the young actress came to the front of the stage to take a bow or curtsy. It moved Billy so much that it brought a tear to her eye and she knew right then and there that she too wanted to feel that love and acceptance and hear the crowd cheering for her. Billy knew deep down she had a great voice herself but would often cover her face with a pillow when singing for others, which was usually at a family get-together or at parties as she was incredibly shy and lacked self-confidence despite actually loving the attention and praise when someone did happen to hear her voice. As her mother Maggie recalls Billy wanting to sing but being shy when she told Howard Stern, quote, She would say, I want to sing a song, and I'd be like, okay, what do you want to sing? And she would be like, I want to sing Happiness is a Warm Gun. This song, of course, being by the Beatles, as Maggie continues by saying, and she would hide under the pillows of the couch and sing. With Billy claiming she wanted her parents, friends or guests to hear her voice, but she didn't want them to look at her when she was singing. This fear, however would be something she would overcome with the help of her brother and once her music started to gain positive feedback when it was released. With her parents struggling to afford to pay for holidays and fun days out for their kids, Billy would often go with her friends to gigs and jump fences or sneak through checkpoints, somehow ending up in the mosh pit as she loved the feeling up the front as well as the freedom. Some of these concerts that she snuck into included Young Thug, Tyler the Creator, and Little Wayne. At the age of 12, in order to improve Billy's own mental health, her parents gifted her horse riding lessons despite it being quite expensive for what they could usually afford, as these lessons were usually only afforded by more wealthy children, especially being in California. Billy began to ride horses down at a stable in California where she ended up working there part-time for two years to continue to pay for her horse riding lessons when her parents couldn't afford to pay for them any longer. It was here where Billy rode a beautiful and well-tempered black mare named Jackie O as she entered into equestrian competitions and did show jumping, stating, quote, I was literally in love with this horse. However, Billy sadly gave up these lessons as she often felt like an outcast and like she was being looked down upon by other riders who were well off financially and weren't working hard at the stable to pay for their lessons, as the job could often get quite messy and smelly as she helped clean out stables. While another girl around the same age had also paid more money for lessons to ride Jackie O, which left Billy without her favourite horse to ride, which she felt she had a connection to. Billy's love for horses, however, wouldn't end there, as she would occasionally return just to spend time and groom Jackie O, and during her career, to this day, she makes time for herself, whenever possible, to visit and interact with horses, claiming they bring her peace, make her calm, happy and relaxed. There was just one other thing that Billy enjoyed just as much as music and horse riding, 
and that was dancing and gymnastics. Most of all, Billy actually dreamed of becoming a professional expressive dancer, or even as a backup dancer, and was often dancing for 11 hours a week in the lead up to a dance recital, even performing things like aerial skills on ribbons and sheets as she was inspired by the musician Pink and her live acrobatic shows. While Billy also performed tap dancing and acrobatics such as the trapeze. In order to pay for these lessons for his daughter, Patrick worked odd jobs as a handyman on top of his day job at Mattel. Billy claimed that the dance company she was in even made their students learn ballet, which Billy said she despised as she disliked how ballet dancers were influenced to change their bodies or become insanely fit instead of embracing them as they are. Despite her hatred for ballet, Billy thrived in dance and she was said to have been really good at it. At the time, Billy had been battling with her body image and claimed that the downside to dancing was the tiny revealing outfits that they were always asked to wear, which were basically mandatory. As she was quoted as saying, I was always worried about my appearance. That was the peak of my body dysmorphia. I couldn't look in the mirror at all. But sadly, due to a growth plate injury suffered in early 2015, Billy would be forced to give up her dream of becoming a dancer with her only option to focus solely on music. Billy claimed she was quite injury prone and that a groin strain in the lead up to the dance competition season was enough to aggravate the injury as she further injured herself as the growth plate injury she suffered involved the muscle tearing away from the bone at the hip, which was an excruciatingly painful injury. Billy was forced to wear a moon boot and underwent many recovery sessions in order to move fluently again, but due to the hip area being so important to dance, sadly, Billy did irreparable damage and would never be able to dance the same again without the risk of re-injuring herself which would sadly reoccur over the years, most notably when she was on stage. Giving up dancing would lead Billy into a terrible bout of depression, which she says lasted until she was at least 16 to 17 years old. When Billy first started writing songs, she would often collaborate with her brother Phineas, and they would write and record songs in Phineas's room as their mother Maggie would come in and lay on the bed while they worked their magic, as she often was amazed at their creativity and was excited for others to hear what they had created. Maggie would also play a very important role in the eyes of Billy, which involved bringing Billy her favourite food, being a burrito, to keep her energy levels up. Maggie claimed that Billy had the voice and Phineas had the songwriting ability and could at least see Phineas going on to do songwriting professionally. Billy looked up to Phineas and often wanted to hang out with his friends with him and wear the same clothes as him. But most of all, she admired his incredible ability with music production and as a multi-instrumentalist. Billy thought it was so cool that Phineas was playing in a band which was called The Slightlies, with Phineas himself performing as their lead singer, with the band even having their own management team and were only getting bigger and bigger 
After playing on the 2015 Warp Tour and in the Battle of the Bands, when Phineas was just 15 years of age, placing second behind the winner, 17-year-old Phoebe Bridges, who of course has gone on to be a successful musician. Billy was so proud of her big brother, but was also at times jealous that he was out there playing gigs and acting as she dreamt of doing the same. During 2015, when Billy was just 13 years old and Phineas was 17, they began to seriously sit down and write and produce songs together after previously doing it for a bit of fun, with Phineas even jokingly remarking one day that he was going to make Billy a famous pop star. The pair of them had their own instruments and recording equipment set up mainly in Phineas's room, recording everything they did right then and there. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Are you? Maybe. Phineas would later claim that Billy's talent for singing was always there, and he admitted that she was far better than he was. He claimed on the Jimmy Fallon show, much later on, that despite knowing she had potential, he waited until she was ready to sing for him to encourage her and start collaborating with her. Phineas's view on how good Billy was was quite interesting, as Billy herself claimed in an interview with Brute America that she felt untalented because of how good Phineas was and displayed just how much respect she had for him when she was quoted as saying, Phineas was the best big brother in the world. He was so kind and so caring and so sweet. Except for one particular year where the two seemed to clash, as siblings often do, only for them to bond once again over music. Phineas and Billy would often bicker between each other, but over time, they became much more respectful of each other. Seeing the pair working together to create music made both their parents very proud. The siblings would prove to be a dynamic recording duo when Billy sung on a track called Ocean Eyes that was both written and produced by Phineas using stock sounds on the Logic Mixing application on his computer, and the song was originally intended for his own band The Slightlies. But after loving the way his sister sung the track, he knew it suited her better and that they were onto something, 
so they decided to record it together in Phineas's bedroom. As Billy was quoted as saying, Phineas came to me with Ocean Eyes, which he had originally written for his band. He told me he thought it would sound really good in my voice. He taught me the song, and we sang it together along to his guitar, and I loved it. It was stuck in my head for weeks. Billy, at the time, had been asked by her dance instructor, Fred Diaz, at the Revolution Dance Centre, to produce a song that he could choreograph a dance to, and after hearing some tracks that Billy had previously uploaded to SoundCloud, displaying Billy's beautiful, elegant vocals, he requested if she could record something for him. Knowing that Billy had this assignment, Phineas would allow Billy to use Ocean Eyes. As Billy told Vogue magazine, quote, He came into my room in October of last year to tell me he had this song called Ocean Eyes. He'd been doing it with his band before, but of course I had heard it because I was right next door. I sang it and we both loved it. It's just a beautiful song and Phineas is an amazing writer. I'm in a dance company and one of my teachers asked if I could record the song and send it to him so he could choreograph a dance. So all of the production is based off of lyrical contemporary dance. While Phineas told Rolling Stone magazine, quote, I remember doing Ocean Eyes as a band and just being like, I'm failing the song. And I remember hearing Billy sing it and I was just like, this is what this song deserves. Like this is so beautiful in her register, in her voice and there was no turning back from that point. When speaking to Pitchfork, Phineas expressed how Billy is very much a perfectionist when it came to recording, especially in their early careers, as he was quoted as saying, Billy was really, really particular about how she wanted her voice to sound on it. There's so many harmonies on that song, and so many doubles, and there's so many layers of background vocals. Normally, you can knock out an entire song's worth of vocals in six hours. I think we recorded vocals for something like seven days on that song. I thought she sounded great the whole time. She was just like, I know exactly how I want this line to sound, and she wouldn't stop until she got it to that sound, exactly how she wanted it. In order for the dance instructor, Fred Diaz, to hear the song, They uploaded Ocean Eyes to SoundCloud as a free download on the 18th of November 2015. After only expecting Fred to download the song, what excited the pair most was watching the listens gradually go up on SoundCloud, which by the morning after they uploaded it had grown by 1,000 plays in total. Billy at the time was in Starbucks grabbing a drink in between homeschooling classes when Phineas rang her and told her of the news as the tally kept going up and up from there as the excited siblings continually checked the listens total as it climbed up and up. The song wouldn't take too long to go viral, receiving hundreds of thousands of listens in just two weeks as further music platforms started to share it. They had previously uploaded two tracks prior to this to SoundCloud, but they self-admittingly weren't up to the same standard. Ocean Eyes attracted attention from all over the globe as the 13-year-old Billie Eilish looked set to go far. With Phineas telling NME, it gave us something from nothing, 
which is so unbelievable. So I always have this profound gratitude for that song. Obviously, our careers have been built on different moments since then, but that was the thing without which we never had anything. In the track Ocean Eyes, Billy's vocals were simply breathtaking and pure, as she portrayed every lyric with emotion and straight from the heart, with her gentle voice providing a relaxing and soothing listen. As Ocean Eyes started to take off, Phineas's personal manager, Danny Ruckerson, had a listen to the song one day and expressed to Phineas that Billy had loads of potential. And with Phineas alongside her, nurturing her talent and producing for her, she could go a very long way. With this in mind, Phineas and his manager Danny helped source Billy a deal with Apple Music Company, Platoon, which works on a scouting level to ready potential stars for the music industry and works on packaging them in the right way to approach major record labels. This was a huge step up in the beginning of Billy's career taking off, as she was then set up with a publicist who got her acquainted with a stylist for the fashion brand Chanel, who helped work on Billy's image as all the pieces started falling into place, and Billy started making huge connections that would open the door for her. Then, on the 24th of March 2016, Billy released a music video for Ocean Eyes. In the music video, Billy is seen just after she had turned 14 with her blonde hair and crystal blue eyes and will most likely be remembered one day as the moment that a star was born. With the music video in question now totaling over 380 million views on YouTube and at the time, people were absolutely going insane over this new talent. This would all attract the attention of Zane Lowe and various radio stations and labels. Despite featuring in her very first professional music video, Billy had actually filmed her very own homemade version, which she preferred to the one that was released, and when talking about the video that was chosen for her, she was quoted as saying, This was the day after my birthday that we shot this. I had just turned 14. They put makeup on me that I did not want, and they did my hair very fucking weird. It was clear from very early on that Billy wasn't exactly all in on having others directing her on what image they wanted her to portray, and that she was very independent and bound to portray her own image as soon as she got the chance. Looking back on Ocean Eyes, Billy claimed that she now hates the song in a way just because of the amount of times she's had to perform it, but that she does hold a strong appreciation for what the song did for her career. Billy also claims that despite Phineas writing the track, that it always felt like hers anyway, and that it suited what both of them were going through at the time in their own lives in terms of relationships. As the chorus reads, No fair, you really know how to make me cry when you give me those ocean eyes. I'm scared, I've never fallen from quite this high, fallen into your ocean eyes, those ocean eyes. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi everyone, and sorry to interrupt. 
I hope you're enjoying this episode, but I just wanted to take this opportunity to tell you four ways on how you can support the podcast and play your part in keeping it going so I can continue to bring you more great episodes. If you enjoy Lyrics of Their Life podcast, first of all, it would be greatly appreciated if you could subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. It's totally free to do. It just means that you will receive a notification when a new episode of the podcast becomes available. Secondly, you can leave the podcast a positive five-star review on iTunes as this helps the podcast reach a larger audience. Third of all, you can tell your friends all about the podcast or join us on our social media pages at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. While finally, you can take your support one step further and head to our Patreon page and pledge your support to one of two of our plans for just $1 or $5 per month with no locking contract. Or you can pledge just a one-off payment for all the hard work that goes into creating the podcast. And you will receive a number of extra benefits to go with your donation. Or you can even buy me a beer for $5 at buymeacoffee.com forward slash lyrics of life pod. I am a totally independent podcast creator meaning there are no large networks or businesses financially supporting my work. So your support would be greatly appreciated, as it means I can continue creating more content, such as biographies, the weekly muse, interviews, and more, as it takes a lot of time, resources, and research to prepare and upload just one single episode. Links to Patreon and Buy Me A Coffee can be found in the show notes on our website at lyricsoftheirlife.com or on our Facebook page. Once again, I appreciate every one of my listeners for their support, no matter the form it comes in. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the episode. Following on from Ocean Eyes, on the 23rd of June, 2016, Billy released a second track to SoundCloud, called Six Feet Under, with a music video that was also uploaded to YouTube that she herself directed and her mother edited. Once again, Phineas had wrote and produced the song and at the same time was attempting to launch his own solo career with his debut standalone single called New Girl, which was an alternative style track which was released later in August 2016. Phineas said that his ability to write so well for Billy came from his experience with acting and playing different characters as he attempts to write from her perspective, experiences, and keeping in mind of her incredible vocal range. As he was quoted as saying, Being able to hear an artist and emulate them has been a huge part of being successful as a producer and co-writer. I write a song that I think she'll relate to and enjoy singing and emphasise with the lyrics and make her own. I help her tell whatever story she's trying to tell, bounce ideas off of her and I listen to her ideas. Similar to other artists, if you're writing and you know that someone else's voice is going to be the voice telling the story, it should be from a language that fits them. Everybody has a different vocabulary a different way of putting sentences together. And the easiest way to tell if a song wasn't written by someone is if it doesn't fit their vernacular. So I try to match whatever I'm helping them make to whoever they seem to be. A lot of that also is asking an artist how they feel about it. If you come up with a line, even if an artist really likes it, 
and he's like, that's a really cool line. It's like, yeah, but can you wear it? Is it a thing you'd feel comfortable with singing every time? Despite Six Feet Under being released, it was Ocean Eyes that would land Billy her first ever recording contract, signing with Dark Room Records and Interscope Records after Justin Lubliner tabled a deal. This would come after receiving multiple offers only for Interscope and Darkroom to value Billy's unique potential as they weren't looking to change who she was as an artist or who she was as a person. When Billy turned 15 in December 2016, she would officially graduate from homeschooling, meaning that she could solely focus on her music career. Not that her schooling was very important to her anyway. After releasing a couple of remix EPs for Ocean Eyes and Six Feet Under, Billy next released the track Bellyache on the 24th of February 2017, which once again went viral. Billy also released a music video for the track, which now stands at over 590 million views on YouTube. With Ocean Eyes being quite relaxed and a loving song about falling for someone after gazing into their eyes, Billy quickly turned things around, heading down a much darker path with Bellyache, which would see her continue this trend into the future, as Billy was at the time secretly dealing with depression, which the worst of it would last from ages 13 to 16. With Billy's mother describing this period as the toughest years of her parenting, as she was quoted as saying, It's hard because they need you so much, but they don't want you at all. And then they really do want you, and you have to be there. You know when you've got little children, and they take your face in their hands, and they go, I love you so much, mummy. And then you get to this age, where one moment, they are just vicious to you, and the next moment, they want to crawl into your arms, and be a baby. The track Bellyache was written by both Phineas, and predominantly by Billy this time around and sees Billy write a fictional story from the perspective of a psychopathic murderer, after being inspired by the track Garbage by Tyler the Creator. In the song and music video, 15-year-old Billy portrays the deranged murderer who has a bellyache, as they feel slightly guilty about murdering their friends and stashing their bodies into the back of a car. Billy was critiqued somewhat for her macabre lyrics in the song, but claimed it was a harmless story and just a bit of fun. Despite on face value just seeming like a deranged tale about a murderer, Billy explained to Vice that she liked to use horror or macabre themes to mask the more personal side of her lyrics, as she was quoted as saying, Bellyache is about the concept of guilt, when you do things in the moment because you feel so strongly about them. In the end, you're left with the decision you made. That line, I thought that I'd feel better, but now I got a bellyache, is about how you kinda know that you're the worst, but you don't care. It's about a psychopath who regrets being a psychopath, but doesn't really care. Billy also told NME, that the song also borrowed from her experience with shoplifting as a child, or from stealing toys from her friends, and then dealing with the overwhelming feeling of guilt that she would experience afterwards. As she said, quote, 
I'd leave and then want to throw up with guilt. I used to think the police were going to come to class and take me away from my parents. It was completely irrational, but there's nothing like that overwhelming feeling. And to say that a child can't write about those feelings because they are too young is bogus. Billy had actually reached out to Doja Cat to see if she would have liked to feature on the song, but Doja explained to Rolling Stone magazine that she was struggling with writer's block and was quoted as saying, I remember thinking it was so cute. I loved it. I just couldn't think of anything to write. It was one of my writer's block moments. And I remember seeing that song blow up and thinking, good for her. That's awesome. I don't think the song was for me though. It was quite hard to write to. On the 30th of March 2017, Billy then put out another mellow single titled Bored for the TV series 13 Reasons Why which Billy believed was great for exposing her to a much bigger audience. The song Bored was written by both Phineas and Billy once again, with Billy claiming the song itself was written about a toxic relationship that was going nowhere, with the music video also emulating this, as Billy is seen climbing up a ladder that appears to be never-ending. When speaking to Elle magazine, Billy was quoted as saying, The video was inspired by being trapped in a relationship that was going nowhere. When you're in such a toxic place with someone and you're treated so badly for such a long time that eventually you're used to it. In the same month, during March, Billy was featured by Apple Music at her very first music festival. At the South by Southwest Music Festival held in Austin, Texas in the US. On the 30th of June, 2017, Billie Eilish next released a track titled Watch, where she sings about her struggles with love and leaving behind her toxic lover, as the song is also part one of the track End Burn, which was originally going to be the same extended track until it was split up, which if it was kept together, the title would have read Watch and Burn. In regards to the production of the track, Watch would display Phineas's creativity in relation to the snare drum in the song, as he was quoted as saying, This is me just lighting a bunch of matches in the bathroom. It became the snare essentially for the song. There were all these references to starting a fire, and that's a more inventive way to use a sound than to just be like, we're going to start with the sound of waves rolling in or something. Despite Watch being a promising track that was met with critical praise and highlighting Eilish's brilliant vocal ability once again, Billy herself would later claim in 2022 that it was her least favourite track of her career. Watch would also struggle to chart successfully and the same would go for her follow-up single titled Copycat, which was released in July 2017, which also failed to make an impact on the charts around the world, despite charting inside the top 20 on the US alternative charts and bubbling under chart. Copycat did manage, however, to go platinum in five countries, including Australia, Canada and the US, and remains popular amongst her fan base and when performed live. When speaking to Genius about writing the track Copycat with Phineas, Billy said, quote, That song, we were just in his room and I was like, yo, there's this fucking girl and she keeps doing everything that I do. 
and I want to write about it. One of the best tracks from the Don't Smile At Me EP was released on the 21st of July, 2017, titled I Don't Want To Be You Anymore. In this beautiful but sad mellow pop ballad, Billy sings about herself in a more negative light as she wrote the song during a dark period of her life when she was experiencing a severe bout of depression. When Billy sings, I don't want to be you anymore, she is of course referring to herself in a self-deprecating manner as her mental health and self-esteem is at an all-time low. As Billy was quoted as saying, I have still dealt with depression. I don't want to be you anymore is about times I've felt this way. The real truth is that depression can happen to anyone, no matter who you are or what you have, and there is no shame to admitting that you feel this way. It's a very real thing and should never be ignored or labelled as a choice. Billy says that I don't want to be you anymore is actually connected in a way to copycat, but that both songs are complete opposites of each other, as she was quoted as saying, Copycat is basically about someone doing fucking everything you do. The idea of I don't want to be you anymore was sort of like exactly the opposite. You know, copycat is like you want to be me so bad, I'm the shit, but really, no I'm not. And it's like, you want to be me. I look at the mirror over here, I don't want to be you. That song is the most special to me on the EP, because it's straight from myself. The whole song is supposed to be singing to yourself in a reflection. It came about while we were writing Copycat, which is obviously about a person doing exactly what you do. I Don't Want to Be You Anymore actually has the same chords as the bridge of Copycat, because we wrote them as the same song. So the idea was to write a song completely opposite to Copycat. I go through a lot of depression, I have for most of my life, and I know so many people have the same issues as I do, and most people don't have a way of expressing that. They keep it inside them and are hurt by themselves, and I want to have music that people can listen to. If I write a song that you feel like you can relate to, and when you hear it, you go, that's my song, it's yours. With I Don't Want to Be You Anymore, I just want people to know they can feel that way and not be alone. That song is very deep in me, and the production is very R&B and has that 1-2-3 rhythm, almost like a ballroom dance. But I didn't want it to be overproduced, I wanted it to be simple and intimate. There's a lot of tension and release in that song. The lyrics in I Don't Want to Be You Anymore are some of the siblings' best and clearly highlight the feelings and self-loathing thoughts that a depressed individual might feel, especially in relation to body image and how society views or judges an individual based off of how they dress or their physical shape and size, leading to these negative thoughts to increase dramatically to the point of wanting to be another person altogether. As Billy sings the lines, If teardrops could be bottled, there'd be swimming pools filled by models. Told a tight dress is what makes you a whore. If I love you was a promise, would you break it, if you're honest? Tell the mirror what you know she's heard before, I don't want to be you anymore. Hands getting cold, losing feeling is getting old. Was I made from a broken mold? Hurt, I can't shake. We've made every mistake. Only you know the way that I break. 
Both Billy and Phineas were involved in writing the track, with Phineas stating to Radio.com that he was proud of his contribution to the lyrics, as he was quoted as saying, It's fairly poetic, and it's not super conversational. But I like the imagery of the way, especially the way that social media handles self-loathing and self-betterment. I think they're almost synonymous right now. People think hating yourself leads to making yourself better, and I think that's pretty dark, because I don't think it's true. Over the years, I Don't Wanna Be You Anymore would experience a number of successful bouts on the charts, reaching number 2 in Sweden, 14 in the Netherlands, and going double platinum in Australia, the US, and even Mexico. A week later, on the 28th of July 2017, Billy would release the next single from her EP, titled My Boy. My Boy would also manage to go platinum in Australia, Canada and the US. My Boy is a mellow style track that infuses the blues and jazz with pop, as Billy once again utilises her soft, soothing and haunting vocals to accompany a quirky tune and up-tempo chorus. Both Billy and Phineas had a hand in writing the track, with Phineas producing it also, as Billy sings about a relationship with a man who she claims has been lying to her, therefore he is not a man, but an immature and dishonest boy, who doesn't deserve the love that she has shown him, as Billy sings the lines, My boy's an ugly crier, but he's such a pretty liar, and by that, I mean he said he'd change. My boy, my boy, my boy, don't love me like he promised. My boy, my boy, my boy, he ain't a man, and sure as hell, ain't honest. Following the release of the single My Boy, Billy would embark on her first run of live gigs with the Don't Smile At Me tour, which occurred during October 2017 at just the age of 15. On this tour, Billy performed 10 shows across the US and one show in Toronto, Canada. Through the help of Spotify, who were working in partnership with Billy's management team, Billy's reputation only grew stronger as more and more people would hear her incredible vocals and both Phineas and Billy's talented songwriting ability would also be noticed. A small documentary, as well as interviews with Apple Music and Zane Lowe, would also contribute to driving up Billy's early commercial success, but at this stage, she was only just getting started. On the 17th of December, 2017, the day before Billy's 16th birthday, Billy would release her final single from the Don't Smile At Me EP, titled End Burn. The track would feature rapper Vince Staples and sees Billy sing about exiting a toxic relationship, which goes hand in hand with the album track titled Watch, which speaks of similar relationship troubles. Beginning in the new year, on the 14th of February 2018, in London, England, Billy would embark on her second headline tour called the Where's My Mind Tour. Billy would perform a total of 27 shows from February through to April the 7th, 2018, travelling to England, France, Italy, Sweden, the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, Norway and Canada and the US once again. It was on this tour 
where Billy would perform a cover version of Drake's Hotline Bling on ukulele with Phineas on acoustic guitar, as it was one of her favourite tracks at the time, which often transitioned into one of her latest tracks called Party Favour, which when it was released, it struggled to chart around the world, despite going gold in three countries, including Australia, Canada and the US. On the tour, Billy was seen to have included her audience in a large part of the show. Billy would often pause the show after songs had concluded to check on audience members and to chat with her fans, providing a more intimate and real experience for her growing fan base, as she would continue to do throughout her short career so far. Billy was said to have been taken back when the crowd began singing back the words of Ocean Eyes, which humbled and overwhelmed the young artist, as it was now sinking in that she had impacted the lives of so many in a positive way, and was giving a voice to those struggling, which to her was always a major goal. After touring and releasing an R&B-style standalone single in March 2018 about her ex-lover, titled Bitches Be Broken, which failed to chart around the world, Billy would team up with promising up-and-coming talent, Khalid, known best for his latest hit song at the time, titled Young, Dumb and Broke. The song Billy and Khalid recorded together was titled Lovely and was released on the 19th of April, 2018. Lovely was an incredibly haunting, sombre and beautiful track, with both Billy and Khalid displaying their vocal range and putting the pair on the radar for those that weren't aware of them yet, as they were labelled as rising stars of the music industry by critics. The track Lovely was actually written about the pair's battle with depression, as the lyrics read, Isn't it lovely, all alone, heart made of glass, my mind of stone, tear me to pieces, skin to bone. Hello, welcome home. As Billy claims that the lyrics and the track title Lovely, which refers to their depression, are meant to be taken sarcastically, as she told Zane Lowe for Apple Music, quote, The song is really freaking depressing. Oh, how lovely, just like taking everything horrible. You know what? This is great, I'm so happy being so miserable. The track wasn't just Billy and Khalid's idea, however, as the very talented Phineas also co-wrote and produced the track, as he was quoted as saying, The three of us wrote this together in my tiny little bedroom, just like we always do. I spent the next few months building the production around their beautiful voices and the piano I'd played while we were writing it. Lovely would go on to reach number four in New Zealand and five in Australia. 47 in the UK, and for the very first time, for Billy, one of her tracks had reached the Billboard Hot 100, reaching number 64, thanks to a commercial push through its inclusion on the final episode of Season 2 on the Netflix TV show, 13 Reasons Why. During her latest tour, Billy would hint at the release of her debut album that would go on to be called, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go?, But, nothing could prepare Billy for just how big she was about to be, and I don't think the world was quite ready either. Next time on Lyrics of Their Life podcast, we delve into Billy's debut number one album, and the monster hits that stem from it, such as Bad Guy. 
We also take a look at what impact the life of fame had on Billy and her family and every massive moment from this portion of her young career. Thank you for tuning into that episode. Don't forget to check out our other episodes from Season 1 and 2, ranging from Kurt Cobain and Freddie Mercury to Prince, Chasey Chapman and Stevie Nicks, and up-and-comers like Youngblood, Tones and I, and The Kid Leroy. For more information regarding this episode, including weekly updates and more, head to our Facebook page at Lyrics of Their Life Podcast, or our website at lyricsoftheirlife.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and even YouTube and Spotify, where you can find a range of playlists featuring the music of every artist covered in the Lyrics of Their Life podcast so far. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to give back for the hard work that goes into it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes, or you can now rate the podcast on Spotify. Don't forget to let your friends and family know about what they've been missing out on and feel free to click the free subscribe or follow button to the podcast wherever you listen so you can receive a notification every time a new episode becomes available. If you would like to support the podcast financially, then please feel free to head to Patreon or buymeacoffee.com where you can contribute your support for the podcast in exchange for some bonus content ranging from as little as $1 donations to really anything you like. Every bit of support is greatly appreciated, and it means I can continue to bring you more great episodes in the future. This podcast is created and researched completely independently, so your contribution would really help this podcast continue on. Once again, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I'm your host Adam Hampton, and this is Lyrics of Their Life.